0: In this episode, we meet a couple of coronavirus survivors. Shantae and Chris Drew are a couple of middle-aged team lease operators working for Barlow Truck Lines out of Kansas City, Missouri. Sometime during the end of March, Chris contracted COVID-19. He began showing symptoms on the 2nd of April while in Phoenix, Arizona. For the next nine days, under load, they traveled from Arizona to upstate New York to Delaware before finding a decent-paying load back home to Kansas City, where Chris eventually tested positive for COVID-19. If having COVID-19 wasn't bad enough, they were home for 27 days with no income. We'll meet COVID-19 survivors Shantae and Chris right after this. In these unprecedented times, count on HTT to bring you the latest news on COVID-19. Our coverage includes market reports, human interest stories, reader surveys, webinars, and more. While you're on the homepage, click on the COVID-19 Information Center links for all you need to know about trucking with COVID-19. We're joined now by Shante and Chris Drew. They're a pair of team owner-operators based in the Kansas City area. Shante and Chris, welcome to HDT Talks Trucking.
1: Good to be here. Hey.
0: Can you uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the work you do before we get into the uh, the whole COVID thing and, and what happened to you there? Just tell us a bit about what you do, where you travel, how much interaction you have with others while you're on the road.
1: Okay. Uh, we're uh, lease operators out of Kansas City. Uh, we drive for a company called Barlow Truck Lines. Uh, they're just south of St. Joe, Missouri. And we run uh, reefer freight. Um, out of Kansas City. Um, we mostly haul for uh, Tyson, Triumph Foods, and uh, Russers Fine Foods. And we basically go from Kansas City to the coasts. And then we get
0: loads that bring us right back to Kansas City and rinse and repeat. Well, back in the early days of this virus discussion, going back to March or so, Were you guys taking any precautions against catching the virus or did your carrier provide you any equipment or masks, gloves, sanitizer, that sort of thing? Or were you pretty much running out there on your own with the grace of God?
2: Yeah, we were uh, pretty much running out there, you know, on our own. Um, A lot of the stay-at-home orders started happening and we were actually out on the road and uh, we had a hard time finding masks and, you know, hand sanitizer, cleaners for the truck. Um, you know, it's hard to just pull into any store and grab those things. And even if we could, we noticed that, you know, most of the stores were running out of those things. Um, I had been watching, um, you know, all about the virus since, you know, November, December in Wuhan. And I saw how, you know, crazy things were happening there. And I knew eventually it would come here. But, I you know, nobody really knew at that point when or how or anything like that. So, um, you know... Being independent contractors, I think it would be hard for our company to, you know, give us things. They did end up closing the office, so all the drivers had to talk through a window whenever they came to see them in the office. So. But that even took a little while for them to do that as well.
0: Well, left to your own devices then, how, how were you managing those interactions with your customers and, you know, people at truck stops and restaurants? Were you taking precautions at the time? How did, how did that all play out?
1: Well, we, we, when we first started out and I first started feeling sick, uh, we still didn't have access to anything. So, I mean, we had no access to a mask. We had no access to, to anything. Um, it wasn't until after I had started feeling sick and we were making the drive from uh, Nogales up to Long Island that we were able to find a cheap uh, mask that they were selling at a TA in Texas. Um, but after that point, we were using that mask and... Doing the social distancing and all that stuff uh, from then on out. But at that point, I was already sick. So it's kind of like too little, too late. Yeah. Also,
2: a lot of the truck stops that, you know, we go to, you know, we were in Nogales and they don't have restrooms for drivers to use. They have the porta potties and they don't have anywhere to really to wash your hands. So at that point, when you don't have hand sanitizer, you know, it makes it difficult to, you know, wash your hands and, you know, do the, you know, everyday things that people were staying at home could do.
0: That was, that was actually one of the things I found most surprising in the logic behind closing the washrooms. I can understand the risk of having to send someone in to clean up a public bathroom. That's one thing. But they're saying people need to clean their hands. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Where? That did make a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah. And like, like Shantae said, I mean, in Nogales, at a lot of places we load down there, they don't allow drivers to use the inside bathrooms. They make us use these damn porta potties outside.
0: So when did you first start feeling sick?
1: Um, We'd been down in Phoenix uh, for about five days. Uh, We had uh, a multiple drop delivery down there that, that took five days to get it completely off of us. And we were, parked at the Flying J truck stop there in Phoenix off the I-10 and uh, I had started feeling achy um, towards the end of that. Uh, I was like, you know, just getting aches in my joints, you know, my elbows, my neck, my, my knees and everything. And uh, it wasn't until we got down to Nogales that I started really like going, okay, I think I've caught something.
0: They say it takes about five to seven days for the, uh, symptoms to manifest in the in the carrier to the to the point where you start to feel sick you mean you would have been probably made contact with the virus maybe a week earlier any idea where you might have picked it up
1: no i mean and that's the thing too with this industry is you know we're we're all over the place we're everywhere you know and You know, every time you stop to go into the truck stop to get fuel, every time you stop to have to use the bathroom. I mean, that's constant point of contact. You know, so it it's almost impossible, really, for a driver to sometimes trace where did we get it from.
2: Also, too, with a lot of these states, each state had different guidelines for different things, so that made it really difficult to, you know, not only keep up with what was going on, but just, you know, some states were on complete lockdown, and then you go the next state over, the next city over, and you know, they weren't doing anything and not wearing masks at all, so it made it really difficult to, you know, really track it down. We even had um, the health department for Kansas City um, try to help us track down, you know, where we'd been, contact tracing and stuff. And I think we got it down pretty well, but as far as where we caught it from, we're still kind of unsure.
0: Tell me about your symptoms, Chris. How how were you feeling? What what uh, what happened to you?
1: Well, it started off. It started off, you know, uh, um, well, like. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a, a sinus infection when we, first, when I first started feeling sick. Um, you know, we were we were in Phoenix, and I'm allergic to a lot of the trees down there, so I was having you know typical you know getting a head cold kind of thing. Like, I was, I was aching, you know, I was getting headaches, like sinus headaches, and um, and it wasn't until after we got loaded in Nogales and was on our way back that I started throwing a fever. Um, I think at some point my fever was getting up to like 103.
2: Well, at first, and, we couldn't even find a thermometer. Yeah, we
1: couldn't find a thermometer. And, uh, so I was, you know, just going off my own experience of just, you know, gauging how hot I was because I was a nurse. I, I was a nurse for 20 years before I started driving a truck. So, uh, I was in full blown fevers and couldn't get out of the sleeper. I mean, I was sleeping 12, you know, hours a day. And for somebody who normally sleeps, you know, five to six, you know, hours, that that's a lot for me. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm still going, you know, I'm trying to be stubborn. I'm like, it's just a sinus infection. You know, it's just my allergies. You know, I was stupid. You know, it was in the 60s we were in Phoenix and we left the windows open, you know, at night because it was so nice outside. And yeah. so, but by the time I got up to Long Island and we did our deliveries, I mean, I was I was down for the count. You know, I mean, I I literally felt like a truck had hit me.
0: Did you have all the joint pain and oh, yeah, and that I sort mean, of stuff too?
1: I mean, the joint pain, um, just fatigue, like, I mean, I couldn't get the energy to climb in and out of the truck. It was real just difficult getting in and out of the truck. You
2: didn't eat for
1: almost I, I stopped weeks. eating. Um, by the time I got to Long Island, I stopped eating altogether. Um, I just couldn't get, you know, get an appetite up. And uh, it took a week after we got to Long Island just to get back to the house. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was, I was a week out on the road in the throes of, of being sick.
0: One of the symptoms that seems to be unique to COVID-19 is the loss of sense of smell and taste. Did that happen to you?
1: Yeah, and to be quite honest, I mean, here we are. I mean, I, we start, started feeling sick at uh, the end of March, and it's now June, and I still can't smell. Bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's well. Okay, it's not 100 true. I can smell some things and some things I can't. Just like I can taste some things and a lot of things I can't. And it's it was really bizarre.
0: Shante, how did you feel? Uh, you know, at that time when Chris was starting to show his symptoms and you know, pretty compelling case for having COVID, sitting side by side, driving, sleeping in the same beds. What did you? How did you feel about knowing that you're? a shoe in to catch this as well.
2: Yeah. Um, I was, I was, you know, I'll be honest. I was scared as hell. (laughs) It was, it was, you know, we tried to distance as much as we can. Usually, you know, at that time we had a Volvo and it's one of the ones with the table on the bottom and the bed on the top. And, you know, usually we always stopped the truck, you know, at least four to six hours at night so we could get good sleep without the truck moving. And, um, Usually, we both sleep at the top, but I, we ended up putting the bed down and I slept on the bottom, you know, while he slept on the top. And it was just, I knew I was going to get it. There's no hiding in a, in a, in a semi truck, you know. Um, my other biggest fear was, you know, if something turned worse, if we would have ended up in some strange hospital in the middle of, you know, say Texas somewhere, and, you know,
1: no support, no yeah, help, no, support, no family, no
2: help. It's, you know, goes even when we started to think about getting tested, um, it, you know, we were in, in upstate New York. I kept thinking, you know, he's got to have this because you don't have a fever when you've got allergies or a sinus infection. So I looked for, you know, testing for truck drivers, and there wasn't anywhere within a 400 mile radius that would A, let us in with a semi, or B, that was even close to us, even if we had a car. So that's a huge problem that truck drivers, they don't have anywhere to get tested. So I was overall just, you know, internally freaking out, but externally trying to stay calm on the outside.
1: She was even more upset and and scared just because she's got sort of an autoimmune condition anyway. She's got fibromyalgia and, you know, we were worried that it would hit her way, way, way worse than it would hit me. So, I mean, that was the constant fear on how bad was she gonna get.
0: How did you eventually get your test?
1: Well it wasn't until uh so it was about almost nine days after I started feeling sick that we were finally able to get back home. Um I got home around the 5th or so of May, or of May no 3rd of May. No he got home on
2: the 11th.
1: Sorry of April. Yeah, yeah April. of April. <laughs> and uh I got home on Saturday and we called our doctor. They had us a script to be tested on Monday and they had our results by Wednesday. So we're lucky. uh, Being here in Kansas City, we have a really good hospital system, and they had COVID tests almost right away, and they had a really quick turnaround. So that was pretty lucky on that aspect.
0: And once you had your test and they realized you were positive, uh, did they take any steps to isolate you or... Keep you locked down in the hospital. What happened? There? Actually,
1: actually, it's kind of ironic. I don't think we even heard a peep out of the hospital after we got it. Like well, I, we didn't even like, even our doctor didn't call us to tell us any like, things. Was, they were just kind of like, here's your test. You're positive. And that was the last we heard of the hospital.
2: It was a drive through testing that we had. So, um, it was one of those pop-up testing sites and, um, our doctor actually had to call a couple of times to get our test results at first. He, uh, Chris tested before I did, and then I tested a couple of days later because I figured if he had it, I probably had it. You know, I started showing all the same symptoms he was showing, except mine were a little bit different with the GI issues. But um, we had heard that there was a Medicaid expansion for Missouri, the governor uh, finally expanded it. If you tested positive for COVID, you would automatically qualify in case you had a hospital stay and we don't have insurance. So I figured that was important for me to get tested, but, Um, When I got tested, mine came back negative and his came back uh, positive and our doctor and the health department told us both to assume that it was a false negative because they've been having a lot of those because of the way that they actually do the tests. Because when they did Chris's, they you know, got in there really far and, you know, swabbed around in the back of his brain and
1: I mean it was <laughs> yeah. it was pretty
2: it was pretty I, bad. His nose was bleeding and
1: I thought know. for sure they were trying to check to see if I had eardrums in the back of my skull. I think yeah. that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> so I
2: imagine what an alien abduction is like. But.
0: Someone, somebody <laughs> explained it to me. It was like having a golf club shoved up your nose.
2: Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, but with mine they just stuck it in and pulled it out and I was like Oh, was that it? Okay, I guess why is everybody saying that it's that bad?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it was pretty gnarly.
0: We're speaking with Shantae and Chris Drew, a pair of team lease operators based near Kansas City. They both contracted COVID-19 while they were out on the road back in April. Coming up after the break, we'll learn how the virus affected them both physically and financially. I'm Jim Park, this is HTT Talks Trucking. We'll be back right after this. HDT and TruckingInfo.com have everything you need to stay ahead of COVID-19. On top of our award-winning industry coverage, we have webinars, market reports, human interest stories, reader surveys, and more. Click on the COVID-19 Information Center links on the TruckingInfo.com homepage. Okay, we're back with Shante and Chris Drew. Um, You've experienced the worst of the COVID. I guess it's just about over now, but during that period when you were both sick, did you ever get the sense that maybe you're going to die from this?
1: I did. I mean, at one point, I mean, I actually broke down and had to go to the emergency room. And uh, and let me just tell you, as having been a nurse before I was a truck driver, the amount of fear and reaction I saw when I walked into the emergency room and said, hey, I have COVID and I'm, I'm having shortness of breath just it's like everything stopped in the waiting room and they basically made me stand at the door away from everyone. And they like evacuated the lobby. I've never seen that before. And that really haven't been a nurse. I was like, this is scaring the shit out of me. I've never seen fellow medical personnel that scared of a patient before. Wow. And you know, they, took me into a room, like, they were talking to me through a crack in the door, you know, nobody wanted to come into the room with me, and the guy who finally did, he had, like, a whole, you know, this is really sad, but he was wearing, like, a damn, almost a trash bag with a mask, because they don't have the proper gear to hospitalize that, you know, I mean, they, <laughs> it was like a paper, a plastic bag they cut a hole in for his head and draped it over him and in wow. a mask, you know, yeah. and I'm like... It's like, you know, because I, I you know, haven't been a nurse, I'm in the hospital, and I'm like, shouldn't I be in a negative pressure room being, you know, an, an airborne carrying sick person? And he's like, yeah, we don't have enough for everyone. And I'm like, okay, that's scary. So it's going up into the air conditioning system. And, and you know, and I'm like, well, how come you don't got a full face shield? And he's like, we don't have any. So, you know, I'm like, wow, okay. So, I mean, it was scary, and I I wasn't sure, you know, that, when they came in to go do my x-rays if I was going to end up being admitted and being locked in a room by myself.
2: Yeah and they wouldn't let me go to the hospital with them so I was here at home pacing the floors you know as much as I could and it was it was uh, you know it was really scary.
1: It's even more scary just the fact that you know this is why we we tried so hard to get home you know and I, I know a lot of people are gonna complain saying well why didn't we just shut down where we were and self isolate where we were you know truck drivers, you know, we are we were over 900 miles from home. Would you want to lock down in a place that you don't know, in a place that you are trapped in a eight by six box with no means of getting food or groceries or anything?
0: You have family and friends in Kansas City? or you?
1: Yeah, all my family is here. Um, Shantae's mom, she lives still in Arizona, but all my family is here and a lot of my friends are all here. So
2: yeah we had a we had a friend that brought some soup to us uh to our doorstep and put it on our doorstep and so we had you know some help that way too so it was nice
0: so tell me what happened and you you obviously parked the truck you were homesick for a long time financially how did this impact you
1: um it it's sort of wiping us out pretty pretty bad in the beginning because we went ahead and paid off as many bills as we could with uh you know the last bit of settlement money that we had um you know but A lot of our utilities were able to work with us, you know, our phone company, the electric company, all those, they were all pretty cool about, you know, holding off, you know, paying until we got better and all that stuff, but we had a problem with, uh, our, uh, company that we rent our apartment from on whether or not they were going to work with us, you know, and, and if we couldn't pay our rent on time, and, uh... It was pretty bad. I mean, we hadn't gotten our stimulus checks, you know, we were living on what little we had saved up from the last couple trips, you know, and on top of that, you know, we hadn't made as much money the last couple trips because rates had been coming down a little bit by a little bit and also we are running out of freight because with the restaurant industry being closed, that's like 6% of all our customer base. And a lot of the,
2: you know meat plants were starting to get, you know, All positive tests. meat plants tests were having problems. Mm-hmm.
1: So we mm-hmm. were running on low on money just already from the get-go. And then the now being hospital or housebound and not being able to make any money, it, I mean, we ran out pretty quick.
2: It was 27 days, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: 27 days we were home for.
2: And then the company that we run with actually <clears> made us <throat> stay home a week after we were cleared from the health department, too, on top of that. So things started getting pretty rough.
0: Were the, was the company supportive or were they?
1: The company was pretty cool. They basically, they put off our truck payments for the whole month of uh, of April. So, I mean, we were lucky that we came out of the, for being sick and we weren't in the hole right off the bat. A lot of people who are lease ops, you know, that's the one drawback is you can't take time off the truck all that often because you still got to make that truck payment. Yeah. And so... For them to put aside our truck payment for almost a month was really a godsend on the part of the company. So,
0: did you qualify for any of the small business relief for the, the those programs that were put in place late, mind you? But uh, any well, help there?
2: Yeah, when we when we first first heard about the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, I was going to apply for it, and then that's when the first round ran out, as well as the other one that was in place for the small business grant. Um, the E I L D loan, I think it was, um, that ran out as well. Um, and then after we started getting, you know, getting ready to start going back to work and stuff, I thought about applying for the Paycheck Protection Program again. But um, we haven't filed our taxes for 2019 yet Um, the company that does our taxes is running behind and they kept wanting a schedule C, which we had one from 2018, but they kept wanting one for 2019. So we just lost it on that as well as we keep hearing a lot of, you know, wishy-washy about how, you know, that's even going to be paid back to begin with. So we didn't know. If- is it a
1: loan? Is it a grant? Are you going to have to pay taxes on it? Is it it yeah. non-taxable? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you get $10,000 from the government, are you going to end up having to pay $3,000 or $4,000 back to the government at right. the end of the year on taxes because nobody bothered to do the tax code for it? Um, it just was pushed through so quickly on both
2: sides that it just made a lot of confusion, especially for independent truck drivers, because we also didn't know, you know, like it said, you could use it for rent. Well, is that our truck considered a rent payment or is it, con- you know, so we were really, you know, unsure of what it could be yeah, used Yeah, weird
1: stipulations on how it could be used. And with this administration, there's no concise information on anything. Nobody's made a decisive decision on anything. So you're like this constant floating around of not knowing where you stand or where, how to do things has been
0: really upsetting with this whole situation. So how did you make your rent? uh, Did you get any help there anywhere?
2: Um, A friend of mine, uh, who's also a truck driver, uh, reminded me of a nonprofit called St. Christopher's Fund. And um, I contacted them. Well, at first I was really hesitant about contacting them because I thought, you know, there's so many people out there that probably need more help than we do, even though we're in a bad time, you know, a bad situation. You know, we're the type of truck drivers that if anybody, you know, runs out of quarters for the laundry, we give it to them, or we give them showers all the time, or, you know, especially truck drivers when they're first starting out. You know, it takes a while to get that first I, paycheck. I
1: buy meals for people all the time out yeah. on the road. Like, yeah. you know, when I see they're new and they don't have any shower credits, I give them one and I buy them meals. So, so we're like that, you Yeah, know?
2: but, you know, St. Christopher's Fund, um, I went ahead and contacted them because we were between a rock and a hard place, and it was becoming, you know, apparent that we needed some help, and we contacted them, and they were, you know, so gracious, and they gave us a $1,000 towards our $1,300 a month rent. And they said usually they could help with the full amount, but donations had been down since, you know, all this COVID stuff started. And, you know, so we were super thankful for that. And um it, I mean, it was, it was a huge, huge help to us.
0: I'll bet there were a lot of drivers uh, drawing on the St. Christopher's Fund while they were off with this COVID thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so many truck drivers, you know, there, I think we've probably been the most vocal about it, but so many truck drivers now are still, you know, in that, you know, oh, this is just the flu. So it was really important to us to not only mention, you know, St. Christopher's Fund, but allow other truck drivers to know, you know, exactly what all of the symptoms are. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to know because it does hit people so differently.
1: I think that was one of the reasons why our PBS special was such a big deal, was, uh, you know, a, a lot of people on the right that you know this is all fabricated and it's all made up and and all that and I think for them to see that you know we're everyday people you know we're we're actual real truck drivers you know we're actually out there doing the job you know we're not somebody you know trying to mooch off of the system or anything well, like that you know we had a
2: lot of support too from non-industry people yeah. and after our you know PBS special had aired we had people donating you know by leaps and bounds in our name to St. Christopher's fund. I mean, the list was, you know, they shared the list with us and, you know, people were being so nice and it was just, it was amazing that, you know, they were able to, you know, PBS was really cool about us mentioning, you know, another nonprofit because, you know, they're just good like that. And usually they say no business mentions, things like that, but they were, you know, all four and they've actually fostered a, you know, relationship with PBS moving forward too. So that's great to hear. um, That's good. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: By way of an explanation, Shantae and Chris were invited by PBS NewsHour to appear as guests on its Brief and Spectacular series in an episode about frontline workers during COVID-19. As it turned out, PBS got a short documentary on how the pair coped with having actually contracted COVID-19. There's a link to that PBS Brief and Spectacular episode in the podcast description.
1: I tell you, it was right after that aired, um, that St. Christopher's actually reached back out to us and they were communicating with us on how, telling how uh, their uh, contributions had just gone through the roof afterwards. And they had sent us two different emails that basically was a breakdown of, like, comments and how much money they donated. And, I mean, to see people given, you know, $500, you know, 250 you know, I mean, just crazy dollar amounts. And... In this current current time that we're living in, just to see that there is still good people and the generosity and and everything, it was, I mean, it was really, I mean, I think me and her, we both cried quite a bit when we first started reading those because it was just like, wow, there is actually still good in the world, you know?
0: I think it's a shame that we need St. Christopher's, Um, but I'm sure glad it's there for the folks who need it, and uh, I think every driver ought to consider a couple of times a year at least Sparing a little extra cash with, uh, with that organization because, and you two are a perfect example, you never know when you might need that kind of help.
2: Yeah. I mean, we even auto-drafted to where, you know, we're giving, you know, a, a, every month now and, you know, even $5 a, a, a paycheck, you know, it helps and it adds up. And I mean, this isn't a pledge drive obviously, but it's just super important because you never know. I mean, we never thought we would need that kind of money, but we never thought that we would get sick with this and be out of work for 27 days.
0: Well, I saw that PBS special. You sent me a link to it and I watched it and you look like hell (laughs) when you (laughs) were on camera. How did the rest of the industry respond? Did did people uh, suddenly decide to take this seriously having seen one of their own in that situation?
1: Yeah, we've had a lot of people keep saying that we had faked it, that we were being paid by PBS to tell our story. You know that this whole thing was a big fabrication, and I'm they like, made
2: it a very partisan issue. It was yeah. very odd to us. Too. I mean, I'm,
1: I'm making a point now. I keep my test results on my phone to where you know when I start hearing somebody talking about it, it's you know that this isn't real and it's fake and it's all whatever, and I pull up my my lab results and I say, so he's telling me that the state of Missouri just lied to me and told me I had COVID, and I make sure I get real close to him when I tell him too, just to watch the reaction.
0: Watch them step back. back.
1: (laughs) Watch them step back and go. What? I thought you think this is fake, man. Come on now. What are you worried about? (laughs) What are you worried about? You know, um, you know. But it's what we had hoped is that it would. People would see that we're one of them. We're not trying to. You know, that this isn't a big scam. It's not a big conspiracy. That you know, it's. I show people video. I'm like, look at look at me from this day to this day.
2: And well, a lot of people don't realize, too, the PBS special originally, they were just going to do a small segment on us about essential workers for the Brief but Spectacular. So, you know, during all this, we ended up we started it right before we left for a trip. And when we came back home is when we got back home and we had mentioned to them, hey, you know, we we have, you know, COVID. And they said, oh, you know, so they ended up doing that whole thing was filmed over a month. So it was from right before we got sick up until, you know, the very last Time that we talked to him, we were just now getting better.
1: Yeah, I mean, Channel 19 had reached out to us before I even had some, or sorry, not Channel 19, but PBS. It's so Channel 19 for us. That's our local channel for PBS here, <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, they had actually reached out to us to do the interview about the Brief But Spectacular probably a week before I even got sick. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, before we wrap up here, um, just about running out of time, can you tell me both in your own words? exactly how you felt through this process from the beginning, the onset of the symptoms and what have you. Uh, I'm thinking in terms of other drivers listening to this, um, you know, who, who can hear in real words from the lips of a survivor, how it felt so that they can have a bit of a distant early warning if they start feeling poorly.
1: Well, the first thing is, is I mean, listening to your body. I mean, the first moment you start feeling those achy joints and that, and, and, and just feeling like crud, You know to start making the preparations you know i mean start you know see if you can get a hold of a thermometer you know um
0: start yeah
1: start getting some tylenol keep on the truck keep you know keep something to help keep your fever down um getting that thermometer is going to be big because if once you start feeling the aches the fevers are going to come after and when you have that fever is when you're the most dangerous to other people because when you're having a fever is when your body's throwing the virus off of you because it's trying to to cook it out of you um once you start throwing that fever is when you need to you know either get home or hunker down where you are always be smart and be prepared i mean we kept we keep a lot of water on our truck we keep a a lot of excess dry food on the truck if we need to i mean hell i even got a week's worth of mres on the truck you know just be prepared because you don't know where you're going to get stopped you don't know if you're going to make it home and you know Make sure you have the things you need i mean we even keep a big bundle of toilet paper and a a toilet on the truck
2: when i started feeling sick um i had a lot of fatigue um i never had a fever over 101 Um, chris had a fever of over 103 a couple of times Um, mine was mainly low grade a lot of fatigue but mine was gi problems and I knew I had it when I, I had G, started having GI problems about a week before I really started feeling sick and I didn't recognize it. I just thought, oh, I ate something bad on the road. Um, and when I say GI problems, I'm talking full blown, you know, gastroint- you know, gastrointestinal problems, um, as well as I had, um, you know, my loss of ten- sense of taste and smell, um, that yeah, fever, Yeah. Once, once you
1: start realizing you can't taste or smell anything, you need to be locking yourself down you need to be quarantining because that is the biggest hallmark i think the the biggest thing
2: for truck drivers is have you know since now we've got places where we can get hand sanitizer and masks and gloves and all of that you know do it beforehand prepare beforehand get your tylenol get your thermometer beforehand and don't assume that somebody's going to be out there to help you because i mean i would honestly not worry too much about getting tested at this point if you've got the symptoms you probably have it you know It's, I mean...
1: Don't be stubborn like I was, and, you know, having been a nurse, we're about the most non-compliant people in the world anyway, but don't be stubborn, you know, don't, you know, give in, give in, and just realize that you might have it, and take the precautions.
2: I think, too, is people realize that, you know, they've got it. We've, we're still not 100%. Yeah, I mean, I still can't smell a lot of stuff. I still can't smell. My blood sugar and my cholesterol levels are just now coming out with it, that, that those become wonky as well. So, I mean, I went to go pack, my physical was up when we were um, sick, and I didn't pass my DOT physical the first time out, so Chris had to go back on the road for a week, and I had to stay at home, and I thought, great, my driving career's over, I'm diabetic, you know, yeah. what the heck? <laughs> and my my urine had complete, it was all sugar in it, it was over 2,000 when I did my urine drug Yikes. test. and it's never been like that and i was like what the heck so about a week later i went back and got my dot test and they said everything was in the normal range and i'd also had blood work and they said everything was elevated but you know within a couple months it should go back down to normal she said it was from covid so she said i'm having a lot of that
1: with me i mean i still get uh... The achiness you feel when you're getting the flu, I still have it in my knees. I can't get it to go away. I've just kind of been just trying to make my peace with the fact that, that my knees are going to be like this from here on out. Um, mm.
2: A lot more people are coming and out I still, with lingering symptoms. And I
1: still feel like somebody's got their knee across my chest. Sweet. I mean, I don't get shortness of breath. It's just I had this just ache and throb yeah. basically from collarbone to collarbone that I can't explain. The doctors don't know yeah, why it's why doing, doing it. You know? They're like, it's just an inflammation. And I'm like, well, that's nice. How long has this been going to go on for? You know.
0: I was just going to ask you that have they told you how long you can expect to feel like this
1: no because nobody knows
0: nobody knows Yeah,
2: this is so new
0: well shantae and chris i uh, i want to thank you for that um real eye-opening discussion and uh especially that last part about the symptoms thanks so much for joining us on hdt talks trucking today
2: hey, you have a good day thank you
0: despite those lingering symptoms their doctors have cleared them to return to work pair are back on the road now trying to put their financial house back in order. They'll never know where or how they caught COVID-19, they weren't able to access appropriate care while they were on the road, and they didn't want to face the treatment and recovery ordeal in a strange hospital room 900 miles from home. They took what precautions they could, but they obviously weren't enough. And amazingly, there are many out there that still think, or say they think, that COVID-19 is no worse than the flu and probably just a hoax. I think Shantae and Chris would beg to differ. You've been listening to a special edition of HTT Talks Trucking, Surviving COVID-19. Thanks to our guests, Shantae and Chris Drew, lease operators with Barlow Truck Lines out of Fawcett, Missouri. We have a few more COVID-19 special reports in the works, including cleaning and sanitizing for COVID-19, keeping the shop running and working remotely from home. We'll also have the truck stops perspective in all this, and we'll take a look forward to see where we'll be when COVID-19 is just an unpleasant memory. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.